Thank you, Julie. Good morning, New Hope Church. It's great to see you today. Is God not awesome and great and worthy of our praise? So grateful that we can celebrate this Jesus, our dear King and beloved Savior and friend. If you're part of our online community, welcome wherever you are. Probably thinking it's cool, it's fall, it's cozy and rainy. And so, yeah, good for you. But for those of you who are here too that managed to come on out, welcome. It's great to be with you. We, whether you are online or right here, you are so loved, so very loved. And we are delighted to be part of this with you. I want to introduce to you my dear friend, Will Jones. Will is a global evangelist with a ministry called Awakening. And he shares the gospel of Jesus all across the world. And in God's kindness to me, uh, just a few short years ago, he and his wife Jennifer and Krista and I got to be friends. And we really loved them deeply. And sometime this summer, as Will and I were having coffee, the Lord just impressed on me, have him come and speak today on this particular day. And I'm really glad that you are here, brother. I love you with all my heart. It's so good to be with you. Can we just welcome Pastor Will here? Thank you. And thank you, please. So, Father God, I know, uh, and I knew even uh, on that summer day, that uh, on this day you had a word for us from Will. God of heaven, I know that you are going to speak through him as you have spoken to him. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would uh, change us to be more conformed to the image of our beloved Savior and help us as a church to rise up and be all that you've called us to be. And may our dear brother and friend here be a catalyst toward that through the power of your Spirit and for the glory of Christ. We welcome him in Jesus' name to our family and all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you so much, Pastor Matthew. You know, friends, you have a wonderful leader. Uh, I I just want to brag on him for about 30 seconds of my time because I remember when we first met at one of the prayer events in Minnesota with the pastors and I heard him praying at an event and I said to myself, that is a man that I believe knows the Lord and I need to know him. And uh, when I heard that and we reached out and he was just so gracious to connect and your your pastor is such a humble guy, he is, but I want you to know how much of a blessing he is to me in my life and my family, him and Krista, and uh, he is one of my accountability partners. Uh, I meet with him as much as I can and he pours into me and I love how he inspires my dreams, but he's also able to correct my flaws. Uh, And so I love him. Thank you, New Hope, for allowing him to pour into my life. And it's such an honor to be here today and share God's Word with you. Now, I'm going to jump into God's Word. How many of you still carry your Bibles? Come on, if you got a Bible, wave it in the air like you just do care. I love it. we got some holy people here. Some of you don't feel left out. You have what we call a digital Bible. Come on, I hope you charged it last night. Awesome online audience, if that's you. Uh, We're going to jump right into God's Word, but today I want to jump into this series. Last week, Pastor had had spoke on uh, the community, and before that, Pastor Matthew spoke on uh, new hope in Christ, and uh, today I get the privilege to talk about the church. 
And I'm not going to unpack to you this whole ecclesiology of, of the church. There was a series that I think you guys did several months ago. I would encourage you to go back and look at that on your online archives about what is the church. But today, my, my message is more so catered toward helping dispel this notion that we often just come to church. Uh, I grew up, and this was a notion that we had in my family, and so I've coined this text, this title of the message today, Am I the Church? Am I the Church? Now, I'm going to challenge you a little bit to get uncomfortable because my culture, my background, my expression, and my ability to preach in different cultural contexts around the world, I can be quiet and stoic, I can be noisy and expressive, I can jump up and down and do cartwheels, whatever comes today, I, you, you get it. And so, uh, I just love the Word of God, and so we're going to jump right into God's Word. And you know, when I think about this question, am I the church? Uh, a story came to mind, and I was thinking about my childhood. You know, I grew up in an inner city of Illinois, southern Illinois. It was one of the worst cities in America at that time, and I was one of nine children. And my mom and my dad, they're just great people. My father, he's with the Lord now. My mom and sisters all still live there. And I said one of nine, didn't I? I want to paint a picture a little bit more to you. I was one of nine, one of eight sisters. So I was the only boy. That's exactly how I felt. Just your response. I was the only boy, and uh, God's been so gracious to my family, and my mother and father did a great job with us, and most of us are believers, and you know, we had to go to church every Sunday, and it was this notion that was built up in our minds about church, and so the notion was, we're going to church. That was what it was. We're going to church. So for us, the church was a building. The church was a place. And in the Jones family, to be honest, there was a no option rule about going to church. As a matter of fact, it was kind of confusing because we did have two options. The first one was you can go willingly. The second one was you can be rolled in. And that would be your last time going to church. And so we chose to do the first one, and it wasn't just willingly, we had to do it gladly, because if our face wasn't right, my mom would get us. And so we went to church every Sunday. As a matter of fact, I felt like we went to church eight days a week. But the reality of it was, it built up this notion, this mentality in me, of that we were going to church. We were going to church. And to me, church became a building, it became a place, it became an edifice, it became a construct of what we went into to see the people and meet the people and greet the people and worship together. But the more I began to understand church, friends, I found out that wasn't actually what church is. And, and the reality of it is, I think that this notion, this mentality is actually still present in most of us today. We go to church on Sundays, this mentality, it permeates the minds of many Jesus followers all across the world. And the influence of that mentality, I would say one of the main ones, it comes from the consumer culture in the world. The consumer culture in the world. Let me, let me unpack that for you. What do I mean by consumer? Many of us, we love to shop, right? Uh, you shop for all kinds of various things that you're passionate about. Um, I like Amazon, but sometimes Amazon is the devil. I told my wife, we got to get this app off of our phone. And so uh, the consumer culture or a shopping culture, it's really about your comfort. It's about your convenience. 
And the reality of it is this consumer culture that's in our world of businesses and the, the economics and the marketplace, it breeds a mentality in us if we're not careful as followers of Jesus that when we think about church, it has to be the same way of when we go to Target or Walmart or Costco or Sam's Club or Holiday or Amico. Right? And so we go to these places because they offer us a service and they give us this comfort and they give us convenience. And so we continually go there, we invest there, we spend our money there because as long as they're giving us comfort and convenience, then we're satisfied. And that mentality, I, I really do. I see it throughout the church, and I can say that because of my travels. And I, I want us to get an understanding that, yes, that is a challenge for us sometimes because we do live in a consumer-driven culture. But that's not actually the way Christ would want us to view his church. He, he calls us disciples in the Bible and the scriptures. We see that we're called followers of Jesus, disciples, little Christ. And a disciple isn't so much worried about comfort. On the other hand, they're worried about denying of self. A, a disciple isn't as much worried about convenience. On the other hand, they're worried about committing themselves to serve others. And so when we have that mentality of the church, it's actually countercultural of the consumer culture that we live in. But the reality of it, friends, is that this consumer mentality can be one of the biggest hindrances to believers being the church. And, and the reason why is because, again, we, we want to uh, re reference back to our comfort, what makes us comfortable. You know, I'll paint, I love painting this story. If, if I go to a church and the kids' ministry is absolutely awful and I've got two children, in my mentality as a consumer, sometimes I'm going to say, oh gosh, no, let's go down the street at the other church. But if I'm thinking like a disciple, I'm saying, man, you know what, honey, I, I think God's calling us here. This kids' ministry isn't that good, but how can we commit to serve it to make it better? This youth ministry isn't the greatest but how can we vision with the pastors and the leaders to make it better? That, that's the mentality of a disciple versus the consumer. And I want us to be encouraged today because Christ doesn't want us to have a consumer mentality. He wants us to be his followers. He wants us to be those who follow after him to make things better, to penetrate the world, to embody his presence and share Jesus, the hope of glory with people, to make atmospheres better and situations better. And so, friends, I want us to be encouraged today that Christ doesn't want us to have a consumer mentality. He wants us to have a disciple mentality. And friends, I would say this, our view of who he, our view of who we are as the church will impact how we live as the church. Let me say that again. Our view of who we are as the church will impact how we live as the church. As a matter of fact, Jesus, again, he was countercultural, right? He wasn't about consumerism. He showed the exact opposite. And let me just share some scriptures with you here. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. It says this. This was Jesus as he's talking to his disciples about the cost of discipleship and following him. And he says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, in essence, my follower, must deny themselves, take up their cross, which is an instrument of torture. He says, and follow me. 
This is what Jesus says to his disciples and a group of people that were around him. He says, no, 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 no. If you're going to follow me, I need you to deny yourself and take up the cross, which he was going to take up and bear, this instrument of torture and pain and agony and grief. He says, no, no, no. If you're going to follow me, this is going to be your journey. But Luke, the doctor, also writes a wonderful passage. He says in Luke chapter 14, 27, he says this, and whoever, as Jesus says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Again, this, there's this tension, right, of am I the church? I'm called to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, which I'm called to deny myself and take up the cross and follow after his ways. And there's, there's tension there. I remember being in North Africa in a very spiritually oppressed country, highly Islamicized, and the spiritual warfare was incredibly intense. And I was a bit scared, to be honest. I, I called my wife and I said, please email everybody on our prayer list. I said, because I'm sensing spiritual warfare that's so intense. I saw demons in my room and spiritual powers hanging around the hotel. I can feel the presence of darkness. And I was so afraid. I told my wife, I said, I'm nervous. Pray for me. I, I don't know if I'm coming home. I said, I, I, I'm, there's this, in, this is so intense. And I remember praying to the Lord and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And this is what he said based on his word. He said, Will, uh, I called you to take up the cross and follow me. He said, I didn't promise that that was going to be comfort. I didn't promise you that that was going to be convenient. But what he said is, he said, but remember who I am. I'm the comforter. And so if you're willing to be uncomfortable, then you'll experience my comfort. And friend, that, that never left me. And friends, I want to encourage you today, as we are the church, being the church will put us in situations where we won't be comfortable. Being the church will put us in challenging situations. Being the church will put us in situations where we will not be convenienced. But the reality of it is, is Jesus promised us that as we are being his followers, that he'll never leave us, nor he'll never forsake us. And so we have that assurance, we have that promise. And so today, I really just want us to kind of dive into what is the church? Am I the church? Am I you as a person? Are you the church? The answer is yes, but I want to show you how. You see, Jesus calls us followers not to comfort or convenience, but to deny ourselves and serve others simply. And so as we think about the church, I want to show just three things with you, very simple. One, the reality of the church. We have to get a real reality of what the church is and who the church is. Because again, as I said to you earlier, who you are will determine how you behave. And friends, I want us to see as the church, who we are will determine how we believe and behave. And the reality is this, the church is called the called out ones of God. It's the Greek term for ekklesia. 
It means called out. And I love the implication there because what it means is that we're called out of something and we're actually called back into something. And what it's meaning here is that we're called out of the world of darkness and now we're called into the world to to bring the light of Jesus Christ into that same world that we were called out of. And I want to just read for us Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It says this, it's when the early church was established, the Holy Spirit has now birthed the church of the day of Pentecost and the believers now have have heard the gospel. Peter has preached a prolific message about Jesus Christ, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And now Jesus has been glorified and people have come to know him and following him. And this is what happens as the early church is established. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. Come on. (laughs) Sometimes we struggle with Sunday. Is it every day? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I wanted to read this for you because this really is the first example of the New Testament church. And Jesus, as he gives the great commission to his disciples, and now that we read it thousands of years later, we're reading the very text that was inspired to those who wrote it so that we may follow thereafter it. And so we see here the first church birth in the New Testament. The global church, the universal church is now established. And and, and the writer, Luke, he he tells us some significant things about this church, friends. As I mentioned to you, the name ecclesia, it means the called out ones. But another term for the church in that context would be assembling, the assembly of believers, meaning that they would assemble. As you hear Luke writes, he says they would meet in in homes from house to house. They would meet in different places in the community. There wasn't just a building. As a matter of fact, during that time, I think the temple was already torn down or was about to be. And so they weren't necessarily meeting in buildings. They were meeting together. It It was the people of God coming together, united under the covenant of Christ by faith in Jesus Christ, worshiping, fellowshipping together, praying together, breaking bread together, and they had unity because of Christ. And I love this because as I see what we see in Scripture, I want us to help to understand something. The church, it refers to a local group of identifiable believers committed to Christ and each other, working together to glorify God and serve His mission. This is the church. We, we, we're, we're working together, we're fellowshipping together, we're serving together, we're sharing our faith on mission together. And friends, if these beautiful walls in New Hope Church were to fall today, you would still be the church. 
you would still exist as the church because the church, friends, is not a building. It's not a particular place. The church is the people of God gathering, worshiping, hearing, and learning about the Word of Christ, sharing their faith to those who don't know it. That is an expression, the expression of the church. And so what am I saying here about the reality of the church? We can be whenever, wherever, at home, at work, at school, in your neighborhood, in the park. We can be whenever, wherever. Why? Because a building does not limit us from gathering. That's why COVID was such a big deal. Because God took us out of the buildings for a moment to be able to expose our heart and strengthen us and transform us as followers of Christ. To know that if these buildings were to ever do away with, you still would be the church you still have a mission and so the reality of the church is we can be anywhere wherever wherever because we are the church but you see that reality also gives us the beauty of it the beauty of the church is it's such a wonderful thing in my travels I get a chance to see so many expressions of the beauty of the church. But, but I want us to read a few scriptures here, and I really would like you to mark these down and go back for future study. But there's a few scriptures I'm going to unpack as we talk about the beauty of the church here now. And all of them have been written by the Apostle Paul, their letters either to the Corinthian church, the church of Corinth, either to the church of Ephesus and the, circu- the circular churches that this letter went out to and or to the church of, in Galatia. And so, friends, I want us to read these three scriptures, but as we read them, I want you to hear the common denominator of what Paul is saying. The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 13. It says, just as one, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, we're going to read another one of his letters, and I just want you to keep hearing the common denominators here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 16, it says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul's talking to a group of Gentile believers, and he's just reminding them here in this letter, he says, we all have the same baseline. We were all once far from Jesus. We were all once separated from Jesus. We were all once alienated from God. And it's only because of Jesus' bloodshed on the cross now that we have been brought near. Verse 14, he says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility that was between the Jews and the Gentiles. Centuries of hostility between these particular ethnic groups of people. And verse 15 says, by setting aside in his own flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose, 
was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. This is a beautiful passage that gives us an understanding of the beauty of the church. Because Jesus is, has done the great work in his own body, in his own flesh, through the cross, through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection. And Paul writes this inspired by Jesus and saying, the hostility between these two people groups that has spanned all throughout the, the history of the world, that has even crept into the history of different areas around the world because of humanity and sinfulness. He's saying that Christ died and once he died, he put all of that to death. And so now we are one in Christ. But Paul doesn't stop. He says it in Galatians 3.28. He says to them as well, he says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. What he's saying is, yes, those things are realities. Yes, we have ethnic expressions. Yes, we're male and female. That's true. But we can't allow those things to divide us because in Christ, he's saying we're one. And so I want you to see some of the common denominators of the three scriptures we just read. Paul talks about unity. He talks about oneness. He talks about diversity and the beauty of the church. Many different ethnic groups, Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free. He talks about this, and I want you to see the beauty of the church because this is the church that Jesus died to build. This is the church that Jesus died to build, friends. It transcends age and gender and ethnicity and geographics and socioeconomic lines. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, how you look, how you vote, how you think, how you act, where you live. If Jesus has built a church that's beautiful, and this is the church that he's continuing to beautify that one day he'll come back to get. And this is what I love about the beauty of the church, friends. Diversity doesn't divide it. Instead, it beautifies it. Diversity doesn't divide the church. This is why when I go to places in the world, I can worship in different languages that I don't even know how to speak. I can feel the same presence of God that's when I'm here in New Hope. I remember being in a part of the world where they, it's illegal to worship Jesus, and I was in a house church, and I was going there to preach in this particular house church, and I remember I got a notification on my phone, and it was a pin, and it basically told me, I was with one of our global workers over in that country, and uh, the pin told me, this is the way to go, and I walked, and I got to this location, and I said, man, I, I didn't see anything around, and they text me a code name, and this code name I had, I don't even remember what it was, but when I had it, I, I see this guy. Now, I told you guys I'm from the inner city, the hood. And I seen this guy. He walks up to me. Are you? And I'm like, whoa, hold a second, brother. And he says, are you? And I said, yes, follow me. And he took me to this place. And we went through like three doors. And I'm like, Jesus, help me, Lord. I thank you, Father, for you. I'm praying. And I get into this place and I walk in and there's like this big old party like scene. And there's balloons and there's everything. And I'm like, I think I'm really good. I'm like, you guys are throwing a party for me? Like this is, wow. He's like, no, that's later. 
And we kept walking, and all of a sudden, we go through these doors. I go up these stairs, and there's this kitchenette that I go through, and there's a back door. And I go in this room, and I see about 85 believers. And they're crying. Service hasn't even started. They're worshiping in their language. They're reading scripture. They're on their knees with the Bible, and they're praying. And the pastor said, yeah, this is, this is the church. And he said, I'm so thankful that you come to preach today. You know what I said? I don't want to preach anymore. You need to preach to me. <laughs> this is amazing. It was so beautiful to hear them worshiping in their language, to hear them praying to the same God that we serve. Friends, this is the church Jesus died to build. It's beautiful. It is diverse. And diversity won't ever divide the church. It should actually beautify it because that's what Jesus came for. And so not only do we see the reality of the church in scriptures and we can see the beauty of it, but then we have to look at the mission of the church. And any expression of the local church without mission isn't going anywhere. Let me tell it this way. If you, are, if you think you're a church, but you have no mission, you're not going anywhere. And this is why Jesus actually gives us the great commission. Because every church that's followers of Jesus Christ, the reality of it, he's already given us a mission. We don't have to make it up. We can wordsmith it to make it, you know, better and all that. But the reality of it, Jesus has already given us the mission. It's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word nations literally means ethne, the people groups of the world. There's 17,000 of them known, around 7,000 that's considered unreached or unengaged. And so Jesus says, I want you to go to all these nations, the ethne, to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so what Jesus is saying here, this is the mission of my church. Scripture is very clear that he came to give himself as a ransom, not to be served, but to serve those and give his life as a ransom for many. Scripture is very clear that he was, we were bought with the blood of Christ. He purchased us back from the power of Satan and the darkness of hell so that we can come into his marvelous light and be able to spread this light of Jesus Christ, the gospel, into places that are dark and hopeless. And so it's very clear that this is our mission as the church. This is the mission of New Hope, the body of believers who gather here Sunday and Wednesday and throughout the week to say, this is my community, this is my church. We are committed to one another, to serve each other, to encourage each other, and to share our faith in our community. This is the mission that Jesus gave us, Matthew 28, 19. If I could break it down for you, he basically tells us to focus on this. He says, focus on going not necessarily coming. What he was telling us, he says, focus on going to be the church, not necessarily coming to the church. A building is great and we have to come to church to worship, but when we gather, it's not just about the building and the edifice and the programs. No, 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 no. It's about experiencing Jesus in the presence of other community, other believers that are in that same community And it's about leaving their spiritually charged so that I can live out my faith and pass on my faith to others. And so he tells us to focus on going, not necessarily coming. He wants us to be the church. And then he says to go to everyone. What that simply means is to all, not some. To everyone. 
It doesn't matter if I'm black, white, brown, orange, Chinese, uh, Korean, African, Asian, white, European, Irish. It doesn't matter who I am, Hispanic. It doesn't matter who I am. Jesus includes everyone. And so what he's saying is, I don't want you to just choose people to go to. No, 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 Yet that, that, that's a reality of the context that you live in. That may be the case. But go to everyone you can. I was at a car dealership the other day, and, and the lady came up to my window. Again, I told you guys I'm from the hood. And so when she walked up on my window, I'm like, whoa, whoa, sister. Whoa, sister. And she, she said, I, I just wanted to give you something. And she had a track about Jesus. And she said, you know, Jesus saved my life years ago. She just began to tell me, and I never told her I was a believer. I like to play that game sometimes. And she just talked to me, and I was, like, asking her questions. And she said, yeah, you know, uh, you know uh, do you go to a church somewhere around here? And I said, no. Because I didn't. I was in a different area. I was in the community where I went to church. So I was telling the truth. But she never asked me if I was a believer. She never asked me really to come to Christ. But I was so proud of her because she was just trying to be the church. She was just sharing her faith, and she said, you know, I want you to know Jesus died for you. He rose from the grave and covered your sin. I mean, she shared the gospel with me. She did. And I was like, I said, how did you get to a point where you, where you just do that? She said, like sharing my faith? I said, yeah. I said, what happened in you? And she said, I just realized what Jesus has done for us. She says, I realized what he did for me. She said, it's so beautiful and so good what he did for me. He changed my life. I'm not the same person that I used to be. And she says, I just got to tell people. She was living on mission, church. She, she was saying, I'm going to go to everyone. There was another guy who came up. He was a white guy. There was another guy who came up. He was a Hispanic guy. I watched her. She went to every one of them. And I was so proud, but at the same time convicted. <laughs> I was like, thank you, God, for showing me what I need to continue to do. Jesus said, don't just focus on some. He said, I want you to go to everyone. And then he says, I want you to make followers, not necessarily attenders. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to come to church. It is, friends. It's good. But, but Jesus says, I want you to make followers that will make followers that will make followers that will make followers that will make followers. How do we do that? We teach them the word of God. We get our lives centered on Jesus and we spend time with them. We pray with them. We walk with them. We open up the Bible and we teach them the ways of Jesus and so that they can learn how to follow him as they would go out and share Jesus and pass on their faith to begin to teach other people. And it's just multiplication. You teach other people that teach other people that teach other people that teach other people. And this is how the gospel starts spreads. And so I love what Jesus gives us as the mission of the church. And I want to just read this last scripture here from Acts 1 and 8, Acts 1 and 8, Acts 1 and 8. Uh, this, if, if this were to be a little nugget of, the, of a fourth line for you, this is really the power of the church. I didn't include that, but this is the power of the church. Because Jesus now dispels, he says, hey, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. My Father, he's, he's going to impart the Holy Spirit to you, and he's going to come, and he's going to empower you to be witnesses. This is what he said, but you shall receive power. That word power is dunamis in the Greek, which really simply stands from where we get the word dynamite from. If I were to give each of you a dynamite, oh, how quick would you get it? Let it go. Why? Because you recognize its power and its ability to destroy you, your hands, and any part of your body. Guess what, friend? That same power is able to destroy the darkness in every community. 
That same power is able to destroy the darkness on your job, the darkness in your school. That same power, friends. And Jesus gave this power to us. He says, I'm going to give you power. And when you get it, then the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He says that something's going to happen. You will be my witness. Now, I want you to understand this. He didn't say you will do witness. He said you're going to be it. And what he's saying is this, the core of who you are as a follower, you shall be a witness for me. This is, this is who you are. You, you're no longer the old man that you used to be, the old woman that you used to be. You're going to be a new person. You're going to be a witness. You're going to be so infused with my love and my grace and my mercy and my compassion and my truth that you're going to just, it's going to change you so much that you can't keep it in. It's like a Minnesota Vikings game on a Sunday night. I got to tell somebody the Vikings won. But it's even greater than that, right? And so he says, you're going to have this power. You're going to be my witness. Friends, I want to help you understand something. Many of us are doing church. But Jesus doesn't call us to do church. He calls us to be the church. And so being implies who we are, the core of who we are. It's not what we do. As a matter of fact, what we do comes as a result of who we're becoming. This is what Jesus wants. He wants us to be a mission of the church. I'm closing out here now. Friends, most believers, we think about it, most believers, we in the West particularly, we see church this way. Uh, I've got a graphic. If you can show that graphic really quick as I land the plane here. I've got a graphic. Yeah, yeah, we see church this way. We see church really through two lenses, uh, maybe even one. Uh, the weekend service experience. And so that, that's where we come and get charged up. It's, it's what I call a spiritual IV. Because I need to be recouped. I need to be rejuvenated. I need to get some, some juice in my veins to go out from Sunday to Saturday and then come back next week because the world's going to deplete me and all this other stuff. And so I need to get charged up, huh? So this is our weekend experience. We come, we worship, we get a little fellowship in, and we go out and we have food and we get happy and watch the Vikings play and it's awesome Sunday and we get ready to go back to work or live our retired great lives on Monday, whatever your context would be. But the reality of it is most of us see church through that weekend service lens or a Bible study during the week, maybe a small group. This is, this is where we begin to kind of plug in a little bit. But, but I want us to see church in a different light. Because it really should look like this in its totality. It should look like our weekend gatherings or weekly gatherings where we're worshiping all together and praying and fellowshipping and encouraging one another. It should look like us serving the Lord, living out our faith. That's what that means. How do we give our gifts and our talents and our passions back to other believers as First Peter talks about, that we've each been given a gift and we should give it to one another as we serve the Lord. And then how do we continue to pass on our faith? That's evangelism. That's discipleship. Every week, I want to be sharing my faith with somebody. I want to be praying for the lost. I want to be engaging people on my job in the marketplace. I want to be engaging people at my school about the reality of who Christ is and the eternal punishment, but the eternal love and the eternal hope that he also gives. And so I, then as people would come to Christ, I want to help them follow Christ and plug into the community of believers and friends. I want to tell you something. Once we start living this way, all the things that we are used to doing in church need to become the things we do as the church. 
All the things that we are used to doing in church need to become the things that we're doing as the church. What that means is we can do it at New Hope, we can do it in Plymouth, we can do it in New Hope, we can do it in Crystal, we can do it in White Bear Lake, we can do it in Woodbury, we can do it in Fridley, we can do it in New Brighton, we can do it anywhere and everywhere. Why? Because we can be the church anywhere. Why? Because I am the church. So why do we do this? Because God desires it, the world needs it, and we're called to it. That's why we do it. If I can contextualize it in a different way, I would say it this way. Because God desires it, Plymouth needs it, New Hope needs it, the surrounding communities needs it, the colleagues at your job need it, the friends at your kids' parks and recreational games and activity needs it. The world needs it. And the reality of it is, you're called to it. And so I want to end just by praying for you. I want you to know you are the church. Come on, just do me a favor. Just look at the person next to you and say, you're the church. You're the church. That neighbor was acting a little funny. I get it. Just look at the next neighbor and just say, you're, you're the church. New Hope, I end with this today. I want you to know, brothers, sisters, friends, that we are the church of Jesus Christ. And there's a reality of the church, there's a beauty of the church that's diverse, and, and Jesus beautifies it as he makes us new and more like him. And then there's the mission of the church that we are all called to. Why? Because God desires it, the world needs it, and we're called to it. So I want you to leave today knowing the moment you step out of these beautiful walls in this edifice, you're still the church, and God's calling you to the activity of the church, which is to live on mission and engage your community, as Pastor Diddy talked about last week. So let me pray for you this morning, that you would be the church. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we can learn from your word and your truth, and that you have called us to such a glorious opportunity to share you as we reflect you in our world and our community so that people who are lost, separated from a holy, loving, and just God would know that you are merciful and gracious through the work of your son, Jesus Christ, and that we all have an opportunity to know you because you have given that through Christ. And so, Lord, help us to live our lives on mission to know the reality of your church, to live as the beauty of it, and to live on mission as the church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Let's give it up for Pastor Will. Thank you so much, brother. Friends, let me invite you to stand with me right now. And uh, I trust, I trust Jesus has spoken to you today through Pastor Will's words. We are the church. Let's just say, I am the church together, ready? I am the church. You are the church. You are the church. Thank you, my dear brother. Thank you, thank you. Can we just thank the Lord one more time for Pastor Will? Thank you so much, Will. Friends, if you'll uh, go to our website or our app, look at the various things there. One thing I want to highlight, men's retreat coming up October 13th. Guys, be there. It's about an hour and a half away at a 
camp, not far at all, one night, Friday night. I'm going to be speaking. I want you to come and participate. We're going to talk about what it is to live, love, and lead like Jesus. And I need you there. So come, go, go sign up. Friends, hear me, hear me now. Go into the world in peace. Take hold of what is good. Strengthen the faint-hearted and support the weak and share the gospel with those who are lost and who suffer and love all women and men with the same love that sent Jesus right out of heaven for you, with a love that never fails, a love that knows no bounds, and a love that transforms us from darkness to light so that we who are the church share that love everywhere we go, everyone we see. May that be us. May that be new hope. May we be the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. God bless you all. Take care.